following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the, son, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth to wild the wo- yeah, sorry, his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called on one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and and you never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Good morning. My name is Diana and I'm one of the speakers in the um, What is Saving My Faith series where periodically we'll take a break from our regular sermon schedule and one of us will talk about what's keeping our faith alive. October 19th marks the 13th anniversary of when I met the God who loved me. I remember sinning... Oh God, I didn't make it very far. In musty conference room where a kind voice led us through guided prayers she called Christian meditation. I'd done meditation a few times, but stopped because my fundamentalist peers told me that to access the deeper recesses of my mind was to commune with actual demons. But there were no demons that day. When the leader said, You are not an outcast. It was like some force was hammering into a wall of glass on the outside of my soul that separated me from God. And then they fell on the ground. The room looked the same, but in my soul, colors became brighter. And the God of love I'd been told about for years finally became real. My soul sang out. I ran to the Jesus I'd been told loved me, but hadn't really felt it till that moment. 
I remember crying and hugging a stranger. It was as if I had fallen into the arms of God. From that day forward, it was as if the dusty attic of my soul was airing out for the first time. Every box in that room was upside down, and one by one, they were being set right again. It was at this time God unlocked my empathy and desire to connect. My soul's journey took me to Philadelphia to grant right for families affected by disability. I left Rochester with a cup brimming full of love and good intentions, and my heart got poured out on the streets of the city of brotherly love. I left a one-bedroom apartment and ten years later moved into a house a few miles down the street. Also during those 13 years, I left a company behind in Philadelphia that serves families affected by disability and will start work at another company in Rochester with a similar mission. I came back empty, and God filled me up and set things right. Sometimes it's funny how God brings things full circle. But during that decade and some change, some of those boxes in the attic of my soul broke open. That unlocked some questions in my spirit. Why do people who seek to worship a God who calls himself love and yet seek to exclude the LGBTIA, I don't have that quite yet, community and make their lives more difficult through family-oriented legislation. Last time I checked, my bisexual agenda for last weekend included writing the speech, cleaning my house, loving on my foster cat, meal prepping, riding my bike as much as my 42-year-old knees let me, and going to the garlic festival with my partner and sharing stinky garlic kisses. <laughs> Why would the people that claim God is their master and savior also paint over racial injustice for those they want so sure their scriptures told them they should enslave? Why would a God who loves all people tell his people to treat Muslims like every last one of them wants to blow up buildings downtown. These questions, and many more, put me at odds with the faith communities I found myself in. I've wished I could just put those boxes away and pretend that there was nothing in them. But I just can't worship a God who actively hates the humans he made. And when I showed up in the fullness of who I was, after moving back to Rochester from Philadelphia, deeply broken and still trying to pick up the pieces, I was shunned by communities who weren't looking for broken sinners at all, just polished up saints. Deep down, I was feeling like I just didn't fit, couldn't fit. Did God really make me an outcast after all? Where was the God who didn't make trash to throw away? I tried church after church after church, even went to a Messianic congregation for over a year in search of God. 
but I wasn't finding God in the house of the Lord. I left the evangelical community seeking healing, but finding brokenness. What was wrong with me? Why was I such a bad Christian? I thought I was saved. Was I wrong? Would I wake up in hell someday? I found myself haunted by these questions. Sometimes they haunt me still. But something caused and causes me to press on in this wilderness. I left the evangelical community seeking healing and hoping that in so doing, I would find myself. While I am still slowly integrating into artisan, some weeks I still leave right after the service, whether I have somewhere to be or not. Trust can be hard for the traumatized, but I'm still here. I press on because I believe that a God who loves me and loves his people put the desire in my heart to be part of a spiritual community. This year, I signed the membership covenant, and as I follow God, I will walk out what that means. I wonder if seeking out healing is why he put the desire in my heart to be a nurse. So I don't talk about evangelism and witnessing and saving the lost these days. These days, I mostly listen. When a friend tells me about their brokenness, I don't immediately try to solve their problems, though the desire is still there. I listen and validate and seek to sit with them in their brokenness, which is the only time the friends of Job got it right. What I do best as a nurse isn't passing pills or educating or painless injections, though I am really good at that, (laughs) or packing wounds just so. My best nursing skill is that I don't just talk to my patients. I sit down and I listen. In seeking to help heal the pain in this world, I learn to sit with it and my own. I believe that empathy, that kind of healing, is when I get it right. And up there on the screen soon is going to be a picture of Kintsugi. There we go. What is saving my faith is Kintsugi. Kintsugi is the art of repairing broken pottery with gold. In thinking about this piece, I ask questions. The beauty of this piece Did it come from the smoothness of the porcelain, the color choices of the paint, or the shape of the bowl? Did it come from the vertigo-inducing spin of a pottery wheel? Did it come from the fire of the kiln? All of these things contributed, but the real beauty of this piece was not possible until the piece that started out whole was broken. The beauty of this piece shines through the cracks. Many of us are broken in some ways, and if our childhood didn't break us, life has a way of doing that. Last week I gave a talk about trauma-informed care at the hospital that I'm working at, and since I'm leaving to pursue my dream of being a nurse in and for the disabled community, this lacked act of service for Highland feels bittersweet. 
Healing of trauma is needed because though not all are brave enough to show their fault lines, human brokenness is almost universal. Maybe another way to think about faith lived out in a broken world is trauma-informed Christianity. There are still cracks inside me that need filling up with gold. Though I hunger for love and community, the ordeal of being known and fear that being fully known means that I will not be fully loved still terrifies me. I love my house that God has given me, but even though I've afforded the mortgage so far, I am frightened that I will lose what I have. I am, it is, what is somehow my first long-term relationship. And while my partner and I deeply love one another, his being in grad school means that at times I need to balance when I need to fill my own cup and when it is okay to ask for healing. Those of you who walk through that journey from either the student or non-student side understand. I love being a nurse but must walk away from being at the bedside to fulfill the kind of nursing I'm called to do. And I still question whether my soul is taking a circuitous route or if it wanders in circles because it has gotten lost somewhere along the way and is too stubborn to ask for directions. But even in this brokenness, God still shines through. The beauty of that is what is saving my faith. And next, there's a picture from the parable of the prodigal son. What is saving my faith is the parable of the prodigal son. Well, there are many versions of this story. In my version, the characters have certain names. In the telling that feels right for me, the evangelical church slash religious right slash responsible one who relates to his father by doing is the older son. He did all the right things, checked all the right boxes, and stood on the front porch pleading with his father to acknowledge his efforts to stay on his father's good side. But in getting wrapped up in that work, he missed out on his father's love and found himself standing outside of his father's warm embrace. In this party, our... This party, God, our Father, if the maleness of God does not resonate with you, please take that as coming from my experience and just maybe a bad fit for you personally, tenderly embraces the prodigal. How tightly the Father wraps his arms around the wayward son. How much does God love the world around him? He doesn't hate the LGBTQIA community at all. And my bisexual agenda is not a threat to his love. He does not hate black people or Muslims and the way much of the church refuses to join in on their welcoming is what separates from God, not God himself. Just as God wraps his arms around the prodigal, he invites the other son in. Still, the pain in that story is that the story in the way Jesus told it left it unfinished. We don't know if the older son will ever join in on his father's embrace, or if the older son will continue to resist those who do. I believe that's by design. 
The end is still unfolding as we speak. The father still waits for the older son to join in on his joy. What is saving my faith is that the same God who embraces the prodigal is the God who waits for his older son. My beliefs, although there are still many complexities, boil down to two commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. What is good is not the doing of spiritual things, but the living out of that love. In Micah 6, 8, we have a glimpse of what that might look like. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I don't always get it right. There are some times that my pain causes me to throw the needs of others to the side in pursuit of my own healing, and by doing so, throw salt in my own wounds. There are still opened up boxes that need to be sorted through. And there is still the responsible brother I still compare myself to sometimes. The one who never seemed to have anything unsettled to begin with. But what is saving my faith is that God patiently sorts through those boxes with me. And he is not in the same hurry that I am to set things right. What is saving my faith is that God never stopped shining through the cracks of my soul, even the ones that have yet to be filled in with gold. What is saving my faith is that that same work God started in me in that dusty conference room never really stopped. There are no outcasts in the family of God. I am not an outcast, and neither are any of you. God never gave up on me. He just patiently waits for me to remember that he is still here. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.